0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back. A new week of Fantasy NBA Today. We're settling back in now. The game's happening every night. All-Star break, very much in the rear view, and an old-fashioned reverse chronological lightning round coming your way. I'm Dan Vesperis, your host. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Really do appreciate you guys. Hanging out with me here on the pod. Welcome to the new listeners, because I know a number of you guys uh, found me. I don't know how uh, on on social media. I've been trying to do even more there than in previous days, and uh, hopefully, you guys have then clicked over and, and found the show. Because this this pod is kind of the first thing that I that I started with in fantasy sports, and we're still. Trucking along here. So let's just dive right on in. We got plenty of things to talk about today. Uh, Most notably, games, but also I do have some promos I'm going to slip in there as well. First of all, you can follow me on social media at Dan Vesperis, D A N B E S B R I S, or just Google search Dan from Hoop Ball. That's still easier to find me there as opposed to Dan from Sports Ethos, which is, of course, where this pod is from. Sports Ethos presentation. SportsEthos.com ethos fantasy bk on twitter please do follow that feed as well reverse chronological lightning round for those uninitiated which i know week 19 or whatever it is now there aren't many of you but you treat every show like there's at least one new person tuning in we go backwards through the weekend and it actually locks in pretty nicely this time around because on friday's show we previewed we reviewed the games on Thursday and we previewed everybody over the weekend that hadn't played coming out of the All-Star break yet and now we can look back and figure out what the hell we figured out from a few days of basketball games and the answer was by the way quite a lot so let's dive right on in Philly beat New York in the early Monday or uh, Sunday game, excuse me, today's Monday. James Harden settling in nicely, 29-10 and 16 in this ball game. He's back, ladies and gentlemen. Joel Embiid, pretty big ball game as well. 27 free throws dude took. Tyrese Maxey has also f- blended in perfectly so far. So here's the thing. Two games with Harden. Tyrese Maxey, 32 minutes, 37 minutes. That job is obviously still his. 28-2-2 two two with four steals in the first game. with two steals, five three-pointers in the two games combined. However, he's also shooting 24-30 on the year so far, which, by the way, Maxi, pretty good field goal percent guy. He's 47.5% on the season, 47 in his brief two-year career, 40% from downtown, which, you know, I don't know if that's something that sticks long-term, but it's where he's at this season, and I think we can expect that's not going to change abruptly here whatever it is, seven, eight weeks left in the less. We're less. I think we're at six weeks left in the season. 87% foul shooter, all that good stuff. What I do think is worth noting, first of all, is that his shots have stayed pretty much the same through these first two games with Harden on the roster. But this is a guy who, to this point in the season, averaged 07 steals in about 36 minutes per ball game and he has six in the last two games half a block doesn't have any so whatever like he should have had one block the assists are fine probably will be lower with Harden on the team rebounds are fine they're probably not going to change all that much 20 for 30 not sustainable so I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying oh Tyrese Maxey got better when James Harden came to town and maybe his, his shot selection will be better. I don't know. Again, already a pretty good field goal percent guy. This is actually as much as, and we're going to talk about Tobias Harris in a minute here, as much as this moment in time is a buy low opportunity on Tobias Harris, who, you know, he took nine shots in yesterday's ball game to Maxie, who's out there taking 12, 16, uh, 16 and 14, excuse me, in the two games, since uh, Harden started playing and Tobias who averages about 15 shots a game has taken nine each of the last two he's also been ice cold in those games so as this thing pivots and maybe you have a game or two where maxi is you know four for 11 or three for 11 or something like that and Tobias Harris comes out warm and hits four of his first five shots he probably ends up getting 13, 14 shots in that ball game, and is much closer to where he was before. This is a lot of hair-splitting. I know Tobias Harris is number 55 on the season, even with these last couple bad ball games under his belt. Tyrese Maxey's number 60. These two guys are actually pretty close together in rank. I'm not saying swap them, so don't read that into what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying is, People are panicking on Tobias Harris. You can probably get him for someone in that top 95 range. Just don't go outside the top 100. I think you can probably get him, and I would. He will come back. He was top 50, basically, as the season was trucking along. With Harden around, he probably falls back towards 65 to 75 range, but I think you can get him for a lot less than that right now. Tyrese Maxey, who's in that 60 range, we haven't seen the slight drop-off that almost definitely is coming. He's not going to be exactly the same player he was before. His season stats are a little bit goofball because of some games where he was playing a hurt. Remember, he was in and out of the lineup a bit through, I think I was December and January. Mostly early January. I'm looking at the numbers right here. And then otherwise, he's been pretty damn consistent throughout the year. But again, what you're not going to see now with Harden on the team, you're not going to see those maxi games where he gets 20 shots. The 16 he took is probably the upper limit. And you're probably going to get a handful of games where he takes 11 and comes back a little bit. So if you can sell Maxi for a top 50 player right now, you do it. Because these last two games, he's been better than that. Mostly buoyed by 67% shooting and six steals in two games. Go see if you can get a top 50 level guy for Maxi before there's any erosion. Even the smallest bit from top 60, erosion takes him back towards 75 So if you can get like top 55, top 60, you probably lock it in. I get it. Also, by the way, we're at a point in a season where your team is sort of built the way they're built. So it's harder to make a trade at this point in the year without upsetting the apple cart. But there are two potential situations on Philly alone. New York, I think we can go a little bit faster there. Alec Burks played 34 minutes, only got six shots. I hate the Knicks offense so much this year. Manuel quickly came off the bench. He was firing away. Second-highest usage on the team behind R.J. Barrett. And to Quickly's credit, he was not as horrible as the starters were in this game. We'll see if the Knicks make any subs. I doubt they do. I'm going to give Burks a little bit more wiggle room before I cut him loose. Because we've seen this before. Knicks offense. Blame it on the Knicks offense. Hopefully he gets it going again. Generally, when he's been a starter, he's been able to hang around that top 100 range. Utah beat Phoenix 118-114, nothing really on the Utah side. Jordan Clarkson had a, a more efficient ball game, but that's basically all you need to worry about there. On the Phoenix side, another loss, and the more they lose, the more I think we can assume that Cam Payne is probably going to get involved because it was basically the bench unit that got slaughtered in this game for Phoenix. There was no depth at all, none. Tory Craig, 0 for 3. Aaron Holiday, 2 for 9. Landry Shamet, 0 for 1. Javale McGee, 2 for 6. The bench was horrendous, and that means they want to get someone on the bench, whether it's Payne or Cam Johnson. I don't care which one is coming off there; that's gonna play some minutes and gonna stabilize those second units. So it might still be campaign, by the way. He might still come off the bench and just run the second unit and then be a part of some first units, basically as they sort of rotate bodies around. Uh, so if you can hang on to Cam, I think I would do it. I also get it. I'm out of IL spots in one league, so I had to I had to cut him. I had to move Darius Garland into one of those IL spots and campaign, sorry. You know, someone else is going to pick him up and reap the benefits when he comes back in a week or whatever it is. But I can't wait. I can't get those zeros. Can't take them. Meanwhile, the starters are really locked in. Uh, Mikael Bridges, slightly slower ball game here, but he's been really, really good lately. And uh, Jay Crowder, I think, has taken a bigger jump forward than most of us thought. He's a start. Cam Johnson was the one that was the obvious, like, slide into the open spot. He wasn't starting, then he is starting. But Crowder has been asked to do a bit more also. Jay Crowder, sneaky pickup right now. You know, it's weird. I don't know that I've talked much about him on any format, and I don't know why I haven't. He should be rostered everywhere. He's been terrific in the three games post-All-Star break. 17, 12, and 16 points, eight three-pointers, seven steals in those games. He's clearly being asked to do more, and I think we've all been kind of slow to jump on that situation, but I, I, I think we probably have to. On to the next one. Boston at Indiana. Not a whole lot on the Boston side. Derek White was a little bit better. Blowout game. Might have seen a few extra minutes. Might not have. It's not entirely clear. He's figuring things out. Hold on Derek White. We've seen how good he can be when he gets starters minutes. Hold. No Al Horford in this ballgame. There was a report beforehand that he was going to be on a minutes limit, and they ended up just resting him all together. And apparently they needed him because they were not focused on this one, and Indiana just ran circles around Boston. Indiana's a weird team, too. They were never as bad as their record indicated. It's easy to pick on the Pacers at 21 and 41, and they've been so bad on the road at 6 and 23, but their margin, if you look at their margin of defeat or victory this year, they're much closer to, like, the Hornets, Hawks, Wizards, teams that are like roughly seven to ten games ahead of them in the standings and they are to the pistons the magic whatever those teams are six seven games behind them Pacers are in their own weird little terrible bubble at 21 and 41 but and then they've had injuries on top of everything else but they actually played a lot of closer games they just lost a lot of close games that's not to say they're magically going to start winning some of those things now but don't be blown away if they do they're starting to get healthy Pacers are. Still no Miles Turner. That's the big one. I don't think we're going to really I don't think we're going to see much of TJ Warren this year if at all. I got some questions about him. No, don't do anything with him. Tyrese Halliburton, Malcolm Brogdon uh, I think they want to keep Brogdon in the 30 minute range. That seems like the target right now, which you know would be good if they can keep him healthy the rest of the year that way. Buddy healed. Those guys are easy plays for Indy right now. Then the other ones is where things get a little bit complicated. Isaiah Jackson started at center. O'Shea Brissett started at power forward. Brissett's been horrible with his percentages lately. This one actually got hot, hit six three-pointers, made most of his field goals, thank goodness. But, and, and this is a weird thing to say after a guy has a really big ball game, I do think Brissett profiles a bit more... For leagues that don't deal with percentages, because they're really holding him back in a big way, I, I think you guys will be blown away to hear that a guy who, like you look at Brissette's last six seven ball games, there was the bad one in Milwaukee on the fifteenth of February, but otherwise, since he got pushed into the starting lineup, fifteen and six with two steals, eighteen and eleven with two blocks, twenty two and thirteen with two blocks. 6 and 2, that was the quiet game. 17 and 6, 2 steals, a block. 10 and 15, 2 steals, 2 blocks. And then yesterday, 27 points, 6 rebounds, 6 three-pointers. That's about 3 weeks of basketball. Okay? So come along for the ride with me there. What you heard was roughly 3 weeks of basketball. Over that stretch, despite all of those giant numbers I was telling you about, he's outside the top 125 on averages of 16 and 9, with two threes, a steal, and a block, and only one turnover a game because his field goal percent has been a medium negative. His free throw percent has been a large negative. And they've just sagged him. Despite all of the good stuff he's doing, they've pushed him down to streamer level. Like, this is as good as it's going to get for Brissett, because when Miles Turner comes back, he's going to wear some of that, and still, because of the percentages, he can't get himself into that top 100 discussion. So, for that reason, I'm sort of, in 9-cat, I don't think Brissett is a must-roster player. Points leagues, absolutely. And I know some of you guys are like, my points league does per- percentages, I've had this discussion, you know what I mean. Percentageless leagues... Brissett is an all-systems go. 9-cat, he's not. And 8-cat, he's definitely not, because turnover's have actually been a positive for him. Isaiah Jackson I'm sticking with. I know this game wasn't as impressive. He only played 20 minutes. Guess what? 20 minutes is actually enough for him. I'd like more, but 11-4 and four with three blocks, that's good. Not great, but good. And then Jalen Smith and Chris Duarte. I mean, we pretty much need to talk about everybody on this team. Jalen Smith, 26 minutes, 12-10 and 10 with a couple of three-pointers. He's on the radar, I'm not starting him in uh, Roto-Games capsule. I'm not even sure I'm picking him up in head-to-head, but he's right on the borderline for me. The reason I'm not jumping at it is because I do think that he and Jackson are going to end up splitting things a bit. And in the games where Smith only gets 20 minutes, he's not going to do enough. The games where Jackson only gets 20 minutes, he is still going to do enough. And then the games where they flip... And Isaiah gets 25 or 26 or 27, and Jalen Smith only gets 20. And it wasn't a perfect breakdown. though. It's not like those guys just split the center minutes yesterday because Goga played 16. Woof. Anyway, you get the point. And then Chris Duarte, he's he's in a little bit of a danger zone right here. He's coming off the bench behind Halliburton and Brogdon, which means he's just not going to have that big of an opening. He's not going to get 33, 34 starters minutes. And without those, his fantasy game doesn't quite profile. Because he needs some assists. But Halliburton and Brogdon are going to get all of those. They're probably going to stagger those di- I mean, I didn't watch every second of this ballgame. I watched about half of it. And, you know, they're trying to keep one of those guys on the floor most of the time. If Brogdon wasn't on, I believe, a sort of unofficial minutes limit, they probably would have. Anyway, let's keep going. We're, we got these are These are some pretty important teams I wanted to talk about, though. Uh, Clippers and Rockets. Clippers are another kind of important team to talk about because we've been kicking back and forth whether there was any certainty on the Clippers. And the answer is not much, but a little. I got a ton of questions on social media over the last three or four days, basically since the All-Star break ended, about Rob Covington, Terrence Mann, Isaiah Hartenstein, and Luke Kennard. And my answer was, I don't know that Ty Lu is going to guarantee minutes for anyone on this team. Besides Reggie Jackson and Ivica Zubats. And right now, Terrence Mann is the third on that list. That's pretty close to getting himself guaranteed starters minutes. He probably would have played more in this one. He had five fouls. I mean, high 20s is, is basically still enough for him. And he's been pretty good for about three weeks now as well. With the help of some steals and good percentages over that stretch. And even the free throws are actually going in a little bit, although he had that one game against Golden State where he missed a bunch. So he's, to me, kind of hovering. Uh, he's been good enough lately, no question, because of the steals and blocks, in particular, like, over the last couple of ball games Since the All-Star break, he's been very good in those departments, five steals and a block. The rebounds have also been quite high for him at about seven or eight per ball game over that stretch. So... He's good enough right now. You could see that come apart, but he's good enough right now. And Rob Covington has been doing it in mid-20s minutes, which is surprising to me. I don't know that he can keep that up. Steals the blocks, the threes, that's the stuff that floats him. Usually it takes him closer to 30 minutes to get to that marker. 24 minutes. I mean, we could see Covington in the top 100 range in 24 minutes consistently on a Clippers team where there isn't sort of a true alpha the way we've seen him playing behind some alphas recent in, in recent memory, particularly up in Portland. That was where he got buried. Dame, CJ, Nurk, he just couldn't get a shot in edgewise. On this team, he'll get a couple of shots up at least. So those four guys, I think Zubats, Reggie Jackson, because he's finally getting assists now, Terrence Mann are guys you're starting for sure right now, Covington probably, and then nobody else. I'm not into the. I mean, Marcus Morris, you might be able to make a case in points leagues. Again, it's that percentage of stuff. He's not going to shoot the ball well from the field. He doesn't do a whole opposite score and hit three pointers. Nine cat, he's out. Got a ton of Hartenstein questions. He went crazy in like eight first half minutes, and then he basically didn't play in the second half of this ballgame. So he's not trustworthy because the minutes are too all over the place. Uh,. I forget who else I was supposed to oh Luke Kennard same issue he gets hot he's gonna stick if he doesn't he doesn't it's what we saw Houston um you know Jay Sean Tate's actually quietly been a little bit better lately he's probably rostered in your league because he's kind of been like in and out of fantasy relevance all season long but he's in one of his better stretches at the moment so you know have at it I guess Jalen Green, his number of shots is increasing, and I like that. I know that the field goal percent was rough in this one, but I think we're finally starting to see him begin to take a little bit more control of the offense. Although, it's worth noting, no Kevin Porter Jr. for this ballgame, and Green always gets more when KPJ is out. Dennis Schroeder's a stream anytime Kevin Porter is out. And Alperen Sengun, you guys can let like, go. I'm going to talk you through this seven or eight times over the course of the season. They're not giving him the minutes. You sat on this guy for four months and you yelled at me about it, and it's not painting out. Hey, Kelly Olenek had a big ball game. Speaking of guys that I sat on for a few weeks and didn't pay off, uh, no Marvin Bagley. So Olenek got to play a little bit more. I wouldn't trust it. I'm not starting him, even if Bagley misses another ball game. This team is Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, Cade Cunningham. Those are the guys you can trust. If someone were to come up to me and say, "Hey, Hamidou Diallo is going to play 30 minutes tonight. I would start him too." But that number he's not getting to unless someone's out. And no one's out on the wing right now. Isaiah Stewart's been a little bit better lately, but I still don't feel bad about cutting him whatever it was month and a half back and just forgetting about it. It's been annoying. Move along. Charlotte, uh don't don't make any adjustments to your Montres Herald TV set. He just had a bad ball game whatever the reason, we don't know. P.J. Washington, Montrezl Harrell, both startable while Gordon Hayward is out. That's an easy one. Dallas behind an insane fourth quarter from Spencer Dinwiddie. Came back and beat the Warriors 107-101. I think they went on a 24-1 to run in the fourth quarter. Might be off by a point or two there, but pretty damn close. Luka and the Mavs, they are quite good this year. You know, unfortunately, they are one key player away from being an actual title contender, which they're not. Sorry. Mavs are good, but they're not that good. Luka's not going to be, as great as Luka may be, he's not going to be able to do it with this supporting cast, even though their defense has been pretty solid. You know, that's the thing. I might have held on to Kristaps Porzingis, even though that contract is a massive albatross, because at least he does something special. But I get it. Mavs are, are trying to retool, make sure that they can get somebody in there, maybe next year, whatever it might be, Around Luca and not wait out the entirety of the Chris Dabbsport thing. So they saw an opportunity and they took it. Spencer Dinwiddie, 24 points on 14 shots. He's not going to be this hot most ball games. He's on the radar in deeper, again, non percentages type leagues. But I'm not moving on that. And Jalen Brunson on the other side of the coin, another quiet ball game coming out of the break. I think he'll be okay. I mean, he's still getting the minutes. Usage was down here. Uh, but I, I maintain, I think he'll get back into that 100 range. So I would hold on to Jalen Brunson a little bit longer and hold on to Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. All of these guys are hovering in that same general area, which is like barely good enough to start in most formats. Bullock's been very reliable, hitting a lot of three-pointers, bungling his way into a few defensive stats every ball game just from being out there long enough. It's not exciting. Didn't promise exciting, but it is good enough. Clay Thompson had a cold. Gary Payton got a start and got three steals. That's the only real note on the Warriors' side. I know Moses Moody got the start at power forward. They're really just biding time at this point until Draymond can get himself back on the court, which we don't know when that's going to be. Denver beat Portland 124-92. Big-time blowout. So don't read too much into the Denver stats, but do read a little bit into the Portland stats. No Justice Winslow, so C.J. Ellaby got the start at power forward and played just 26 minutes. The name I'm looking at is not Ellaby, who did have five defensive stats, and that's great and all, but he's actually been playing pretty close to starters' minutes for a few weeks now and hasn't done anything with them. Drew Eubanks is the guy you want to have your eyeball on, and he was someone that was on our watch list as soon as Nurk went down because we thought, well, there's a possibility. His first game in Portland... He played 21 minutes, had two points and five rebounds. Last night, played 29 minutes, 13 and 10 with two assists. I don't think Drew Eubanks is a particularly good basketball player. He's still young. Uh, He's 25, just turned 25, so I guess he's not that young. And he's been, you know, dinking and doinking around with San Antonio for the better part of three and a half years and never really showed signs. Like, you could go to the game log and try to find games where Drew Eubanks played 25 minutes and see what he did with them, but the list is unbelievably short. It's yesterday. He did have a couple games in San Antonio. He played like three games where he got near 24 minutes in San Antonio this year, and they were okay. There's one where he took an inordinately high number of free throws don't know that we could expect that to happen again he went for 18 and six the other ones he went for eight and ten with a block uh and 12 and eight with three assists before fouling out so the answer is in 24 minutes he's streamer level in 28 29 minutes he's a start so unfortunately that very Seemingly arbitrary difference between 24 and 27, or basically for a guy like Eubanks, is actually all of the things. Because in 24 minutes, you pick him up, you trot him out there in a Roto Games Cap League, you're probably going to end up disappointed about half the time. In 27 minutes, you're going to end up disappointed about 30% of the time, which means, overall, that's a winning play. Am I adding Drew Eubanks anywhere It's questionable Spurs uh, don't have a particularly good schedule this week if memory serves I think they I think they just play three times I think they've got one today and then they play like Thursday Saturday so if you're in a head-to-head league it's it's not a, actually you know what they might have their schedule flipped at some point this year they don't play today uh, I think they had one wiped out at some point they go just Wednesday, Saturday. Yeah, their schedule got a little bit screwballed. Was that one that shifted? That might have been one that shifted pandemic-wise. So that's a two-game week? Can that be right? Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah, Spurs have a a bad schedule this week. So if you're in head-to-head, you're not touching him. So this is someone you're really only looking at in Roto. And uh, because they don't play until Wednesday, you don't need to do anything with it right now. I don't even know that you need to do anything with it before that Wednesday game. Here's the problem. If he has another big game on Wednesday, someone's going to grab him and sit on him for Thursday and Friday before his game on Saturday. And then the schedule gets a little bit better again uh, starting on Monday of next week. So you have to kind of ask yourself, can I pick this guy up today, Monday, and if he stinks on Wednesday, drop him, and then I end up sort of getting nothing for like three days out of a roster slot at this time of the year in any format, that's a little bit of a pain. But if he comes out Wednesday, I mean, this is the way you could do it. You could do whatever you want with that roster slot for two days, and if he comes out on Wednesday and plays 14 first half minutes, you just add him at halftime. Yeah, you missed that ball game, but at least they're starting to telegraph that maybe he's the guy they're going to go with. Think about it. That's what I'm saying. Think about it. Uh, I don't know what to do with Justice Winslow. I think you kind of have to wait. Oh, you know what? He's not on the Spurs anymore. That's why I'm looking at the wrong damn team. <laughs> He's not on the Spurs. You idiot, Bespris. You guys are probably yelling it at me. Yeah, okay. Portland goes Wednesday, Saturday. The Spurs do still have three games this week. Uh. Buh. What a moron. You guys listen to me? You're listening to a dimwit. All right, let's keep going. Um, New Orleans, Los Angeles. This is really a horrible game for the Lakers. I still think Carmelo Anthony is worth rostering. He played 30 minutes, and he was one of, like, two Lakers that looked marginally engaged in this game. Which, by the way, I know LeBron put up big numbers, but he was terrible. Seven turnovers. Didn't get his teammates involved. Nobody could get a shot for him anyway, and you could see he sort of gave up on everybody else. Didn't play much defense. He was bad on that side of the ball. Russ was terrible. Everybody was horrible. Dwight Howard played hard, and then he got yanked for DeAndre Jordan, who came in and played nine minutes and was a minus 14. That's pretty bad. Yikes. The good news in this ballgame, first of all, keep Melo on the Lakers' side. And Jackson Hayes, 30 minutes. For the Pelicans at power forward. Not against a particularly large Lakers team either. That's a good sign for Jackson. Didn't take that many shots. Okay. Maybe that's not great. But. If he's out there for 30 minutes. You're good to go. No concerns at all on that front. Guys. Thrive Fantasy. Back and thriving here. After the All-Star break. Oh yes. Yes. Oh, yes. ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. You can prop up today. Follow our buddies on the DFS team. Mike, Santino, Keith. These guys are giving out their favorite Thrive lineups every day and winning. They're winning money. They're turning 2 bucks into $8. they are turning 10 into $20. they are turning... We've got some folks that have written in with testimonials saying they played their freebies that you get using our promo code Ethos, E-T-H-O-S. You get two... contest entry tickets. Somebody played one of those and I think won like $500 on it with a good lineup of props. With prop bets, you're just picking overs and unders. That's it. You don't have to worry about building out a lineup with different prices. You just say, here's what I think this guy's going to do. Is he going to go over 21 points? Yes or no? Pick winners, win money. At thrivefantasy.com. Use promo code ETHOS to get a 100% deposit match on your first deposit and a pair of $20 contest entry vouchers you can use on their big nightly NBA tournaments. It's a pretty freaking good deal. The link is also in the description of this podcast on the Ball or uh, Sports Ethos website. It's actually not in the iTunes description. Apologies for that. I So I maybe get ahead of myself a little bit. Uh, but use promo code Ethos. That'll get the job done. E-T-H-O-S at thrivefantasy.com. Prop up! Available on all of your devices. Enjoy. Turn the clock back now to Saturday. We covered a lot of the teams there on Sunday. I think a little bit more than half of them. But that leaves a few left. Boston, Detroit, we already talked about. Toronto has been horrible coming out of the All-Star break. Freddie Van Fleet's knee is flaring up, so he hasn't been quite himself so far. Uh, No OG and an OBI while we wait on the finger diagnosis, how long he's going to be out. A couple of things... Sort of worth noting here on Toronto. First, Chris Boucher still getting his 20-plus minutes, but he really isn't doing anything with them right now. Thad Young also getting 20-plus minutes, is doing some stuff with it. Toronto, by the way, has a five-game week. If you want to go Raptors' direction, this would certainly be the time to do it. Thad, five-gamer. Boucher, five-gamer. Head-to-head, a lot of these guys make a lot of sense. Roto, it's a games cap, basically, it's a bit more questionable. I don't think that you have to have either of those guys on your, your team right now. I think Thad, we're starting to see a little bit of the opportunity squeezing through. But there's just so many guys in front of him in the pecking order. Maybe if Van Fleet misses a ball game, that might tip things a little in Thad's favor. They'll need him to run a bit more of the offense. Pascal Siakam does some of that as well from the power forward spot. Uh, Roto, I think you could probably part ways with both. Even though technically for Boucher, 20-some-odd minutes is usually enough, it just seems like he's kind of losing some of his activity to Thad Young at times, just the way the pieces are meshing. And then Precious Achua had a rare good game, so he saw some bonus minutes as well uh, in this loss in in Atlanta. But I'm not touching him, You're, and nor, nor should you. Atlanta still without John Collins. Come on, Gallo. Can we get a little consistency here? He goes, big game, small game. Big game, small game. Playing plenty of minutes, which is normally enough for him. I would recommend continuing to stream Danilo Gallinari while John Collins is out. I can't explain why he's going for, like, 25 and then 3 whilst getting 30 minutes, basically, in every one of them. This is not his MO. I'm assuming it'll level off here at some point, but I don't know. Clint Capella picked up two fouls in the first couple minutes of this ballgame. He played, like, four first-half minutes total, I think. Uh, so Anika Kangwu saw a ton of extra run, had a great ball game, got added everywhere, and a lot of you guys are going to end up disappointed when it goes back to Capella playing, you know, 25 and a Kongwu 18 or 19 in the next one. I don't think that Anika is a must roster guy. Uh, you look for good streaming opportunities at this point in the year, because I think some people's playoffs are starting, but, you know, Atlanta has a two-game week. This is a terrible spot, head-to-head, to to take a shot on something like that. I think Capella remains a hold in most formats. But it's that same thing. Like, if you can't deal with a two-game week from anybody not inside, like, the top 75, you kind of don't have to. Someone will pick him up. Somebody with a bye, if you're in your playoffs or whatever it might be, if you're racing to get into your playoffs. Someone will pick him up, Uh, but you might not have a choice. Washington in Cleveland, real barn burner. This one, 92 to 86. Stay up late to watch the conclusion of this disgusting affair. Kyle Kuzma trucking along. By the way, for Washington, this was the back end of a back to back after a double overtime game the previous night, so we can't fault him too much. Raul Neto had a big game in the double overtime game. Not surprisingly, he was a bit gassed for this one. They did sign Tomas Satoransky, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna buy into it yet. I think Neto is worth rostering. I'm quite confident that Daniel Gafford is worth rostering because we have no idea if Kristaps Porzingis is ever going to show up. Uh, and then Contavius Caldwell-Pope is the guy who's kind of right on the borderline. I think he's probably still king of the streamers if you're going to put him in a bucket at this point. And Denny Avdia, you guys kept asking me, and I kept talking about him as like maybe, kind of, sort of, and then he put up this dud, and that's the fear. Yes, I know, again, the double overtime stuff, but there's just no... There's no upside. He was putting up the same line in every ballgame, 12 and 5 with a steal and a block. It's like, okay, that's fine, but at some point there's gonna be a slow one. We need a big one to balance it out. I'm not quite there with Abdi. I need to see him more involved. Not involved enough. Hold on, Kevin Love. I know it's hard right now. Larry Markin and is coming back and he's just firing away, going full guns blazing style. But Love has had this role off the bench. He'll play, I don't know why it was only fourteen. Guess he wasn't very good in this ball game. Uh, so they got him out quick. He went one for ten. I mean he took ten shots in fourteen minutes. So you're not worried about that. The usage is there. He'll be fine. Hang on. And Brandon Goodwin is your stream with Darius Garland and Karis Levert out. Uh shot the ball terribly, but I mean, look, if he doesn't shoot the ball horribly in this game, you're talking about like 14, 15 points, five boards, six assists, and a steal. Usually, he might, well, 38 minutes, he might get you more than one steal a game. And Garland and LaVert, I believe, have already been ruled out for tonight. Yeah? Yeah, they have. So that's fine. Miami beat San Antonio, 133-129. High-scoring affair where the Spurs rested everybody. (laughs) Heat needed all their stuff to get through it, but we're not going to read into this one because... This was a Popovich special on one side and really nothing of note for the Heat on the other. Although Kyle Lowry, I think, is out for personal reasons. So, you know, you might get a better Tyler Hero game or something like that. Doesn't matter. Memphis beat Chicago 116-110. Brandon Clark got poked in the eye. Fear not, ladies and gentlemen. He's questionable. So hopefully he'll be back soon. He was on his way to another efficient ball game. uh, But, of course, didn't happen. Left early. The Anthony Melton's been playing pretty well lately. He's finally getting minutes in the 20s, even with the team mostly there. I I do wonder what happens to everybody when Dylan Brooks comes back. I don't know who suffers the most or if it's going to be just a little bit from everybody's bucket, but we'll keep an eye on that. Desmond Bain fouled out. Jaron Jackson Jr. almost fouled out. They somehow still won the ball game. Oh, because Jaw had 46. And this was the Steven Adams game. 21 rebounds. Out of nowhere for old Stevie boy. No changes for me on the Memphis side. No changes for me on the Chicago side either. IO had a really bad ball game, but I think he'll bounce back in the next one. Kobe White played a little bit better, but I don't care. DeMar DeRozan got ejected with like a minute to go. Sort of didn't matter. It snapped his streak by this game. This game snapped the stretch for him of shooting over 50%. Still took all the shots in the universe, but just didn't make all of them. Brooklyn, big comeback win over Milwaukee. And there is a little storyline here because New York is rolling back their indoor vaccine mandate, but only for spectators. The weirdest crap I have ever seen. Look, like, don't get it twisted. This all could have been avoided if Kyrie just got the vaccine at the beginning of the year. But at this point, allowing unvaccinated spectators, but not a player, doesn't make sense. I only have Kyrie Irving on one team, so I don't think you can accuse me of being like a Kyrie Irving homer. And I think he's been a massive headache for fantasy for the entirety of the season. But it sounds like despite the vaccine mandate being rolled back, he is still stuck only playing road games. Andre Drummond had a big ball game. LaMarcus Aldridge did not. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think you can pretty much start both of those guys, despite the weird minutes and how they're kind of bouncing around a little bit. I think they're both startable. Until Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons get back. At that point, I think you probably see Brooklyn go small from time to time. And that'll impact those dudes. At that point, maybe Drummond hangs in there. His free throw percentage, man. Oh. The oh boy. Meantime, it does seem like Bruce Brown is actually streamable. I'm still just not going to deal with it. Seth Curry's the guy you roll with. And the big men, when the team gets healthy, we will reassess. Nothing to report on the Milwaukee side. Love to be able to skip through a team pretty fast. Denver beat Sacramento a couple of times. We've already talked about the Nuggets, although they were in a blowout the previous one. Uh, Monte Morris has been a little bit more aggressive lately. That's something, I suppose. It's probably startable while he's this aggressive. And on the Sacramento side, Sabonis, Fox, and Barnes are the guys you're starting. Justin Holiday is your close one. We'll pull up the Kings streaming schedule here to see if there's any point to... Roll them out. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a bad week if you were going to play a king. They play four times the first six days. They play three times the first four days this week. So you could actually play a king through Thursday and then move on if you wanted to. But not roto. None of those outside of the main three. uh, You're you're not playing those guys in a in a roto format. Hey, reminder: last day of February, last chance to get some manscaped stuff this month. That is manscaped dot com promo code ethos twenty or hoopball twenty they both work actually get twenty percent off and free shipping on your order whatever it might be hey if you're thinking I would love to try a manscaped lip balm which I'm actually holding in my hand as I do this read live on air Mm, smells nice actually has a little bit of a of a minty scent to it it's uh it's a good looking lip balm too it's black. It's got that manscaped kind of gold trim on it. That's sleek, man, and it's a three-pack. It's a three-pack that you can get, I believe, for 8 bucks after the coupon. That's pretty damn good. Uh, That's only a couple dollars more than your typical, you know, CVS chapstick three-pack, and it's much better. Looks better, feels better, smells better. It's a good one. I love the shears, too. They're a luxury nail kit I use all the time because I, I pick my nails, and this is a way for me to try to stop doing that. Manscaped.com, promo code ETHOS20. And of course, if you want to get the lawnmower, have at it. All of this other cool stuff is part of a big push they're going to be making starting March 1st. Tomorrow, can't believe we're almost done with February now, manscaped.com, go check them out, get something right now. Quickly here, we turn back to Friday. I believe there were one or two teams that didn't go over the weekend. Oklahoma City, Orlando... Mm, Minnesota. Could it be could that be right? Could it only be three? It always seems weird to me when it's only three and not four, but I think that's right. Um Spurs and Washington, that 157-153 game. That was a fun one. There were a lot of fantasy juicinesses in that ball game, but we can speed through through that because Oklahoma City is one to look at. Oklahoma City is interesting because last night I started diving into playoff schedules a little bit. A lot of leagues playoffs start either next week or the week after that. And Oklahoma City actually has a pretty good schedule if you're starting the week after because they go four times and then they play the Monday after that. So they actually go five times in eight days, which allows you a little bit of a long streaming kind of thing. There aren't that many teams that have like the awesome you know, five and seven type stuff in the playoffs. Not like last year where there are a ton of rescheduled games that created these crazy playoff streamability spots. It's not. It's not going to be that simple. We're, you know, we'll have to take what we can get. The one thing I would point out on the Oklahoma City side is, first of all, Lou Dort is still out. Josh Giddy sat out this ball game on Friday. SGA was in for the back-to-back. I do want to know what this team's going to look like. If all of those guys are playing. Like, if Gideon and Dort are back in, I'm assuming Aaron Wiggins and Trey Mann go back to the bench. But it's possible that Roby gets benched. It's possible Baisley gets benched. We don't know. I feel pretty confident that Wiggins gets benched. I think it'll be Mann as the other one. And he's been playing pretty well lately. So you could kind of look a little bit ahead. I don't know, maybe Dort got dropped in the league. You think he's back in time for your playoffs if they do start March 14th? In the short term, uh, I would assume that Giddy's back, but they might hold him out for a couple of ball games as part of sort of a rest tank thing, whatever you want to call it. And then with Dort, similar to last year, they just started pulling the plug on him for, you know, two out of every three ball games. If they do that, then Trey Mann becomes a much safer add. If they don't, it's just going to be a total mess. Cuz then you'll have different guys in and out every ball game that's going to make it awful in head to head. And in games cap format, you're probably trying to gain ground at this point after all the missing games everybody had earlier in the year. Uh, you might you have to spot start a guy and just watch their injury report every single ball game. Orlando's another one. Um, Mo Bamba's getting dropped in a lot of spots, and I get it. Like, you could, but 25 minutes is, is more than enough for him. And that's what he got in this ball game before fouling out. So I am not dropping Mo Bamba. He has been terrifically boring of late. I know, his season mark has dropped down to number 64 after his red-hot start and over the last month. He's only playing 22 minutes a game, and he's outside the top 130. Uh, but I just can't, like, 25 minutes is enough. 25 minutes is enough for him. So I gotta stick with it a little bit longer. Points League's probably not so much, because his value's tied up mostly in blocks and some threes. He didn't hit them here, and decent percentages. Markel faults. Set to make his debut tonight. Another big piece of note on uh, on the Magic. I am not adding him. They are going to be very cautious with faults. He will not play in back to backs. I think we can be pretty damn confident of that. Uh, Orlando has three games this week. They go four times next week, starting on Tuesday, but with a back to back mixed in there. So I just I don't know how you add him in a head to head league. He's going to be a bigger headache than he's worth. He's going to be missing games. Magic playoff schedule is terrible. Especially if a player isn't going in back to backs. I mean, they might. If, if Fultz doesn't play back to backs, then his next five weeks go 3 3 3 2 4. Yuck. I think I'd hang on to Jalen Suggs. I think I'd hang on to Cole Anthony just to kind of see how this whole thing plays out. Chumo Kiki's been amazing. Fire that thing up. I don't know. I get the feeling that this false thing is just going to create more of a log jam. So Suggs might end up falling off the board. Anthony might end up falling off the board. But I just don't, I don't think we can do it until we see it. And what is false going to play? We don't have the number yet. But I'd be blown away if he played more than 20 minutes his first game back. By the way, we just got word that Porzingis is likely out again tomorrow. So he's still not that close. Come on, Washington. Just tell us you're shutting him down. Just get it over with so we can drop him. Open up that roster spot. Enough with the charade. Minnesota played on Friday. Uh, They got smoked by Philly, but doesn't matter. Minnesota's sort of a zero fantasy impact team anyway. Lots of questions about dropping Jared Vanderbilt. He was terrible in this game, but, uh, you know, 9-cat Roto, I don't, I don't think you can move on. James Harden, Joel Embiid. Took him to school. Minnesota went a different way. See if they could piece something together. Didn't really work. Stick with Vanderbilt for now. Give him a little bit longer. Unless you're in your playoffs, I get it. Then, you know, do what you got to do. Playoffs are different. I hope that you know that, first of all, Minnesota plays a back-to-back to to start this week. So you're not dropping any of those guys today or tomorrow. Uh, They also have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday of this week. So uh, Minnesota, pretty damn good schedule the next two weeks you can piecemeal it together. You might even be able to drop them on Wednesday and pick them back up on Friday. Uh, And then Minnesota, from Friday to Saturday, this Friday, the 4th, to next Saturday, the 12th, they go six times. Six times in nine days. Am I getting that right? Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wait. Yeah. Woof. That's pretty good. Um, that's about as good as it gets, actually, without reschedules. Long stream. Long stream. And then their schedule tapers off a bit after uh, March the 12th. Okay, that's it. Let's get this thing out to you guys. I'm Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for listening, everybody. Monday's reverse chronological lightning round in the books. Had a request to start adding some buy low and sell high segments to the podcast. We might hold off on that until next season, since a lot of teams' fantasy leagues are about to hit their their fantasy trade deadlines anyway. Uh, But it is noted. And in the meantime, please do drop a five-star review on the show if you have a moment. I know it's that time of year. We're starting to wind things down a little bit. It's my last chance to really hammer you guys. Makes a big deal, especially going into next year. we got a few more of you dropping one in uh, over the weekend. Thank you much. Much appreciated. Would love a couple more. We're at 765 now. I want to get to 775 before the season's over. It's a pretty attainable goal, I think. Podcast app on your mobile device or in iTunes. Those are the easiest ways to do it. Have a marvelous Monday. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Something's going to happen. That's the way it is right now. So long.